Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And today I want to talk about when you're designing a site or planning for a site or any type of shelter, a cabinet, anything you might be putting out there. And what I want to talk about is the site monitoring, the site cooling, you know, the air conditioning, the cooling at the site, the site design and power to site. And what, and this could be a site. Uh, when I say site could be a cabinet, you know, you might have a cabinet for even a small cell or a macro site. You may have to cool it. You may have to monitor it. You may have to have backup power. I mean, UPS power is probably what a lot of these sites have. So I thought I would talk about the session that I was out there and I moderated. It was the power shelters and site management for remote wireless infrastructure, which was pretty cool. I got to admit, well, it was a cool panel, it was a cool talk, it was a cool session. It's only about a little over an hour, maybe an hour, hour and a half, something like that. But boy, I learned a lot in that short time. But first, I want to thank Tower Tracker Pro, Tower Tracker Pro. Closeout package is made easy. Step by step with this software, you go through it, you won't miss a thing. The pictures you can take and before you leave the site on your smartphone, you can upload it all. You don't need any special devices, you just need a smartphone, which most of your guys probably already have. So why not reduce and eliminate the site returns? I have the link in there, wadeforwireless.com, wade, W-A-D-E, the number four, wireless.com. And go in there and just take a look at it. I also want to let you know that the Hubble Foundation is having their golf tournament soon, sponsored by the Insurance Office of America. You can, again, click on the link up in there, hubblefoundation.org. I also want to thank Tower Safety, towersafety.com. Go to their site for all your tower training needs and your drone training needs. If you're going to do drone work at a tower site, know the rules. That's where you learn them. Okay, let's get into this. Oh, let's not forget, I have the Wireless Deployment Handbook. That's right, the ebook that covers all your wireless deployment needs from end to end. Just throwing it out there. So that is available out there. Now, let's talk wireless because I want to talk about the site. Well, you know, I say wireless and part of the shelter and tower design and everything is part of the wireless system. When you're going to do a wireless deployment, you have to really plan ahead. In other words, when you're doing carrier grade system, they generally have batteries and they'll probably have a generator at prime sites. When you're doing a public safety system, they have to have good backup and it has to be tested. They have to monitor everything, everything at the site. They have to cycle everything too. When I say cycle everything, like the air conditioners have to be tested. If they're not running already, they should be. The generators should be tested once a week. And depending upon where you are, the generators have a lot of caveats. I'll give you an example. When I was doing work in New Jersey in the New York, New Jersey Metro, you only had certain hours you could run the generator. And usually at first they wanted to run them at night because the pollution would not be be a big deal. Well, neighbors complain. People don't like when you're on a generator at night. It's noisy, it's irritating, it drives you up a wall. So you would have these set times throughout the day. And somehow, some of the counties and townships up there would regulate the time when you could run your generator for test. Now, if you lost power, it's a different situation. But I'm getting off point. I'm just bringing up a point. You should test all this and monitor everything. So let me go through the session. The first one up was Bob Selby Wood, my favorite Australian. That's right. He came all the way from Australia just to tell us about monitoring at site. He is the CEO and founder of Centaur Control Systems, Inc. here in the USA. And what he talked about was monitoring this, monitoring the sites for all the problems. You have to remember that the site has a lot of 
key touch points that you have to know what's going on in public safety. I'll use that because that's easy. You have forward power, you have reflected power. And he said a common mistake people made, they usually just put the power meter at the end of the transmitter. But what you should do at most public safety sites, you have the transmitter, then you have the filter, then you have the lines that go up to the antenna. And you should really monitor forward and reflected power on each side of the filters. For those of you that don't know, when you have a filter in line, generally, each side looks different. The filter is probably not going to pass back the reflected that you see on the antenna, and you're going to have loss through the filter. So just because you have 100 watts coming out of the amplifier of the transmitter, that doesn't mean you have 100 watts out of the filter. Chances are you'll lose maybe 20, 30 watts, whatever it is. Depends how your filter's tuned and what you're trying to get out of it. And the idea of the filter, if it's a duplexer, you know, so you can have the transmit out and the receive back, and they don't bleed into each other. Anyway getting off point. He said the biggest mistake people make is that they don't put a power sensor on each side. They put it in one side or the other. They think they're saving money, but they're not. They're just going to cause themselves heartache and problems down the road. I just want to point that out as one of the big things he brought up, but they can monitor everything. He can monitor the air conditioners. He can monitor the uh, generator when it runs, the temperature of the site. You just need the right sensor for it. And then it can send out alerts by sending out, it can send out emails text. I'd say paging, but no one has a pager anymore. But that's basically how they do it. You have real-time monitoring. Now, you have to be careful what you monitor and how you set your parameters because you don't want to get a thousand alarms every day, at least not to your phone. It's okay to log them. You can set it up that way, but you sure don't want to see a thousand emails coming in on your phone because something stupid's happening at the site. Okay. Bob was a great guy. Talked a lot about that. Was very, very interesting. I really liked it. Now, Rick Schmidt is the COO of Dantherm, and they're based out of South Carolina. They're a cooling company. They do air conditioners and such, specifically DC air conditioning units for sites. And Rick's a cool guy. By the way, Rick has two patents. Really, really smart guy. Brilliant guy. And he's, you know, just a great guy all around. He's a nice guy, friendly, and geez, he must be 6'2", 6'3". He's a tall guy. I'm 5'10". He towered over me, but super nice guy. But the thing about Rick is he talked about the DC air conditioning units and how they can be more efficient in the AC. In fact, they right now they cost, I didn't get the sizes, but roughly, let's say, 20% more than an AC air conditioner. But you'll see your savings back, I think he said within a year over the AC, if you set it up the way they tell you to. If it just goes on and off, on and off, the savings aren't that much. You save a little bit. And he has a PowerPoint presentation that shows you all this. But the thing about it is, and the links are all in this blog post, right? Just click on his name and you'll see his company name and you'll see the, the particular post. thing about it is, though, they came up with a way for the cooling to run constantly. The fan and the uh, compressor run constantly, which you think would be more power, but it's not. It runs at a slower pace because it's DC. It's not AC. It's not like balls to the wall and then off. Balls to the wall and then off. It's not like all the way on, all the way off, all the way on, all the way off. But with DC, and if you guys ever had cooling units freeze up, you'll know that they put regulators on them to run slower in the winter. What he has is a way to run it slower and steady. So it's not like going off because you got to remember a motor is an inductive load. And with inductive loads, when they pop on, it's almost like a light bulb. You have a big surge of power big surge of power when it comes on and then it levels off while it's running. It's the same way when you have your cooling unit running all the time. It's actually more efficient to let it run slower, less energy at a nice steady pace. I'm just saying it might be worth your while to look into this if you're paying high costs. It might be worth your while to replace the AC with a DC. 
is a brilliant idea, I got to tell you. <laughs> the other thing he said, the number one mistake that most customers make when they design these things, they think that you need to cool it like to 60 degrees, you know, something ridiculously cool. And he says there's two things. One, people don't realize how much the hardened equipment can take now. You don't have to go as cold as you used to go. You can keep things probably at 80 or 90. A lot of the equipment, including the routers and things like that, are hard now. They can take a lot more heat than they used to, a lot more punishment. The other thing he said, you don't necessarily have to cool the whole shelter. Why don't you just cool it where your equipment is? You know, maybe have an exhaust fan to take the rest out. So instead of putting this massive cooling unit in, maybe put smaller, efficient cooling units in. I thought it was a good idea. You know, I want you to learn something from this. I don't want to just say that this is great for this reason. I want you to see what the design flaws are from people in the past that they've worked with. And here's a way that you can avoid them in the future. Okay, the next guy is John Pataki. John's a neat guy. He works for PepPro, LLC, and he covered the shelter design. And the reason it was so cool is because he covers a lot of hardened shelters, and when I say hardened, they're bulletproof. You know, they're, they basically can withstand a hurricane, a tornado. They're not going anywhere. But make sure you put the right shelter in up front. And he said, it's really cool. He had a lot of extreme environments. You know, he had Alaska covered with ice, covered with snow, all the storms, the ice that just falls on the roof and breaks. And anyone who's ever been around the toll tower when ice comes off, which I have several times, I had a car get messed up because of that. It got real warm real quick. It was bizarre. And the ice just broke off the tower. It was a broadcast site. Next thing I know, <laughs> I got dents all over my car because these huge chunks of ice came off. And I was lucky. The ice that hit my car came off the guy wires. I mean, I they just came off and they, of course they blew right in my truck. But I've seen it where, you know, these big chunks come off and I've just seen them smash vehicles. You know, you live and you learn. And I usually don't go near a tower site, but it was just a freak act of nature. Anyways, sorry, I'm talking about myself. Back to Pepro. And John, what he told us about was when people design these shelters, again, it goes back to filters because he deals with a lot of public safety right a lot of carriers are just putting in cabinets now they don't really care about being bulletproof or hardened or surviving a hurricane or a tornado quite frankly i'm not saying they all do you know verizon still puts puts in some pretty awesome sites some shelters but when you look at these things and you look at these shelters that public safety has to put in they're big they're beefy they're bulletproof and the size is what it is. So then when somebody goes out there and tries to install these huge filters and they try to fit them into the shelter, they screw up. What they do when they design these shelters, they just look at the rack space. When you look at a rack space, I'm going to use a 19-inch rack. What is that, 22 inches wide? So you have 22 inches and then you don't know how deep. You know, you go three or four foot deep. Well, filters can be huge, especially at the lower frequencies. You have to plan ahead. You have to think of the filters. You have to think of the power, the batteries, when you design this site, you have to think of everything you're going to put in it today and everything you're going to put in it five years from now. It's not a cabinet where you can just hang something else on the side. It's a stone shelter, and it's hardened for a reason. It's hardened for public safety. At IWCE, a lot of it was public safety. It's there for a reason. So when you design it, make it a little bigger, plan for growth. I mean, if you don't think you're ever going to add anything to it again, I've seen a lot of people say that, and I've seen a lot of people add second shelters. So you can pay now or pay later. You can buy two or buy one. Buy one, buy it right the first time. Okay, moving on. Finally, there was Nam Paik. And Nam is just a great guy. For one, he filled in at the last minute. Someone canceled and it was ironic. I got a, an email from Nam about power and it was just a freak act that I said, hey, can you make IWCE? And he asked a lot of questions and eventually he came out there and he did the presentation over UPS power. And Nam, 
is the VP of Sales for TSI Power Corporation. And he, he's a really nice guy, a really great guy. And he gave a very detailed presentation on power, how it works, how it's set up, and actually showed us what it looked like at the site, the UPS, the boards, what's involved. And he talked about a lot of the UPS systems that they have out there and how big of batteries you need. And he also spoke about, this is interesting, the new batteries are lithium batteries, right? Lithium ion. They're more expensive than the regular batteries. And I think now, I think he said 50% more expensive. However, they're smaller. They last way, way longer by years. You know, it's not like they last, you know, a few months longer. He said they probably last, I think he was saying three to four times longer, five times longer. It was just amazing how much longer they last. And they have a lot of power. They're smaller. They, it really seems like there's a lot of advantages to having it out there. And Nam was great because he spoke about the new advances they have in battery technology that can really help you out at the shelter site in a lot of ways. So it's something to think about. And the biggest mistake he said that he saw a lot of customers make in the past, usually they design a power system for the max power. So I'm going to give you an example just to make it real easy. If it's 110 volts AC and it has a 5 amp fuse, they would design it for, say, 550 watts, 5 times 110. But you don't need that. What he says is measure the actual power draw. Even though it has a 5 amp fuse in it, if it only draws an amp all the time or less than an amp, then design your power system for, for that, for 110 watts rather than 550 watts, because you're going to save yourself a lot of money in batteries and design and in the unit. And if you're putting out 100 of these things, it adds up very quickly. But it was pretty cool what he had. And he can do cabinets for small cells. They can do for macro sites. They can do for almost everything. That's what was really cool, too. They, they have a lot of options. Nam was a great guy. All these guys were great guys. Nam, John, Rick, and uh, Bob. Great guys, friendly guys really passionate about what they do. I really enjoyed being on the panel with these guys. I really did. They did a great job. And I, I think, uh, I wish we would have had more time, but I will say this. People came in and most of the people stayed for the full session, which surprised me. You have to understand, it was the end of the day. I think it went from like a quarter after four to 5.30. <laughs> Nobody wants to hang out at the end of the day. But I, I really enjoyed IWCE. I'm so glad they asked me to speak and moderate for that. I really had a good time. And these guys, meeting these guys out there is great. The thing about IWCE, when you go out there, you just meet so many interesting people. And I went to different sessions. AGL had a lot of sessions. I went to a lot of their sessions, and they were so good. And I, I do have to admit, this year I felt really good about my sessions because I had a lot of people in them this year. It just felt really good to see people so interested in LTE, interested in the, the site design and what they can do there, and interested in things like that. And I also went to a couple, you know, AGL had some great sessions on DAS and small cells, which is coming, right? We all talk about FirstNet. The FirstNet sessions, people still go to them. They still filled up quite a bit, but... I think people are just getting tired of FirstNet and they see the end is near. They're either going to deploy or if someone protests a deployment, they're going to run out of time because I think their time is coming up. I want to say probably 2018, 2019, they have to have a system built. I don't know what they're going to do if it isn't built. I don't know how the spectrum is going to be handled. I don't know any of that, but they do have a deadline. Now, will Congress extend that? Probably. Well, you know what? I don't know. Depends who gets elected. You know, Obama's out. He doesn't care. He's going to move on. I don't know whoever the next president is. And right now it's looking like Trump or Hillary. So whoever that is, one of them will make a decision. 
I will tell you this. I don't know what Trump's stand on that would be, but I do know Hillary has been very pro-public safety. But what she decides is whether FirstNet is truly the best option for this or if she puts it back in the hands of the states. I don't know what's going to happen. I hate to speculate. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's something that could happen. They could run out of time. All right. I know. We're all sick of FirstNet, right? I'll talk about it more because I am interested in it. Let's move on here. If you wanted to learn more about IWCE, get on the blog. I have the links in there for the power, shelters, and site management for remote wireless infrastructure session that we were in. And they should have some of the PD uh, PowerPoint up there. They have it in PDF form, but we did a lot of PowerPoint slides. And like I said, the guys were great, really friendly. And just to promote a few more things, I have the scope of work tutorial for those of you that want to learn more about scope work. I have a lot of people laugh at that. And I think I told you before, because it basically goes over what you should and should not put in the scope of work and why. And the reason the guys laugh at it, they're like, oh, I know my job. I know what to do. And they all say that till they don't get paid. <laughs> then when they don't get paid, they're like, I can't believe I didn't get paid. It's like, dude, what did the scope of work say? What were the closeout points? Did you look at what you had to do to get paid? Did you define that? Did you define exceptions? They also get mad when they have to do a lot of extra work. That's why we have assumptions because we assume what the entrance criteria is and what we will do and what the customer will do. And we have exclusions stating what we will and will not pay for and we will and will not do. If you leave it open-ended, I hope the customer is a good friend because otherwise, you know, you're, li- you're opening yourself to anything. So you want to close those loopholes ahead of time. That's why the scope of work matters so much. Hey, the other thing, Hubble Foundation, hubblefoundation.org, Tower Family Foundation, towerfamilyfoundation.com. Both excellent, outstanding organizations. I'm sorry, towerfamilyfoundation.org. <laughs> That's .org. Hubblefoundation.org, towerfamilyfoundation.org. Both outstanding organizations. They don't judge. However, because... There were some incidents in the past. They do have to verify that if there was an accident or something like that, that it's real. But just they're run by outstanding people, too. I got to tell you, the the people that run both those organizations, they really care about the hurt party. Let's put it that way. So when you're out there working, be smart, be safe, pay attention. That's a key. Be aware of your surroundings. Pay attention to what you're doing. That's the one thing that when you're an experienced worker in the field, you tend to get complacent. Pay attention. We should have learned a lot of lessons from 2015. See ya.